Retailers, listen up. The brand new Life Loom FDA cleared frictionless sleep pillowcase is yours for free whenever you come by C1596 at Las Vegas Market. You're going to have a chance to meet the LifeLoom team, see a product that's clinically proven to improve sleep, and you're going to get your hands on one of the most engaging, fun demonstration units I've ever seen. I think retail sales associates and consumers are going to love it. Put C1596 on your calendar for Las Vegas Market, and we'll see you there. Okay. A FAM production. Furniture and mattress. FAM.news. Welcome to the Dos Marcos Show. These words will define the future of mattress materials and manufacturing. Biodegradable, recyclable, carbon neutral, and zero waste. End of life. ISPA President Ryan Trainer and Pleasant Mattress CEO Ryan Morgenstern are on the show, and they're going to help us look inside the crystal ball of our future. The Dos Marcos Show begins in 60 seconds. Driven entrepreneurs, listen up. It's time to team up with Nationwide Marketing Group, North America's most successful network of independent retailers. You'll gain access to programs and services that level the playing field between you and the national chains. Industry-leading digital marketing, increased buying power, exclusive networking events, and of course, their awesome learning platform. Nationwide Marketing Group is the business partner that helps you get results and stay ahead of the competition. Take the first step today and visit nationwidegroup.org. Do you want more sales in three easy clicks? Yeah. It starts right now at doorcounts.com. With a completely redesigned user interface, gathering data has never been easier. Click number one, your salespeople connect with the customer as they walk through the door. Click two is the outcome. Click three, key performance metrics right there on your phone from anywhere at any time. Now your salespeople can spend their time selling and DoorCounts is going to gather the data you need to make your business better. Start right now at DoorCounts.com. Welcome to the Dos Marco Show with Mark Kinsley and Mark Quinn, where mattress and furniture leaders gather to grow, get the inside scoop, tell stories, and take tequila shots. The galaxy's greatest mattress podcast has liftoff in three, two, one. So excited to have Ryan and Ryan keeping the world in balance against Mark and Mark on the show today. But hey, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, we've got a couple of, I mean, we look like Twinkies, let's be honest. And we can uh, thank our dear back-tatted friend, Keith Moneymaker, uh, for the sweet merchandise. Okay, hold on. Speaking of back-tats, he, he gave me a nice back-tat here. What does that say, Quinn? Dreams for all, baby. We want everybody to understand the value of a great mattress, and Keith is committed to it. We love his heart for that. We love his heart for his own team and for this industry. And thank you for the swag, man. This is good. A nice hoodie, high quality. We got the tumblers, right? Hats, hoodies. We're like set. Well, and if you are wondering what is Dreams for All Foundation, Keith started this out of his two shops in North Carolina to give mattresses to Afghan and Syrian refugees in the area who didn't have a place to sleep. And that's extended to become uh, a really important part of his business, his connection to the community. And now he's helping other mattress or mattress uh, retailers get involved with a similar program. So they're finding homes for these mattresses and connecting them to people who might be sleeping on the couch or the floor. 
And uh, so, yeah, definitely get connected to Keith Moneymaker. We'll put a link to Dreams for All Foundation in the show notes. And he's doing really great work. And speaking of doing really great work, we've got a couple of guys who are doing great work for our industry, Mr. Ryan Trainer and Mr. Ryan Morgenstern. All right, guys, are you ganging up on us, Ryan and Ryan versus Mark and Mark, or are we going to figure out how to make a Ryan Mark team here? You know, I, I think I we'll think, make it work. I think it's it, it's that you know casual couples tennis match, Dos Marcos against Dos Ryan's. <laughs> pickleball for Quinn, pickleball. I, I, it's got to be pickleball. There you go. I got tennis elbow. But we can do that, and then just, like it'll be like an Olympics. We could do the pickleball and do some mountain biking, and then maybe have a legal debate. So Ryan has an edge on everybody, and then – Ryan, uh, we can do everything in this sustainable space and you'll kick all our butts. So it'll be perfect. That's great. Sustainable tequila, please. <laughs> do they tequila make that? is not very them. sustainable in our presence. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. The, the life cycle is very clear, though. <laughs> That's right. Well, guys, uh, we're excited to have you on the show. Look, we make one of the largest items that gets shoveled into landfills. And that's a problem that's already starting to shape our industry. So, Mr. Trainer, let's start with you. Tell us the story of sustainability for our industry. And when we were talking previously, like you pointed out, Ryan Morgenstern, it's a word that really isn't clear to everyone. So, Mr. Ryan Trainer, what does sustainability mean to you and for our industry, in your opinion? Well, sustainability, as you said, is a very broad concept. It's uh, it's a uh, in the short term, um, we've been focused on uh, the, the recyclability of our products. What do we do with them at the end of our use their useful life? Uh, but we're really wanting to start looking more at uh, what goes into our products. How can we reduce our environmental footprint? Um, how can we be more efficient in making our products from a utilities consumption, electricity consumption, materials consumption point of view? And also, we want to look at what goes into our products. Um, there's a lot of people who talk about their products being sustainable for various reasons. I view ISPA's role here as being uh, able to work with the policymakers to make sure that any government policies that are set for our industry are practical and reasonable, but also just to raise the, the awareness of these issues within the industry. Uh, make sure that we're all talking about uh, these using a common vocabulary. Uh, understanding what others outside the industry are doing, understanding what some of the pressures will be from government and from consumers in the future. Um, so I, I view our role there as, as being just kind of helping to, to cross-pollinate ideas and, and, and share wisdom that others have developed uh, to, to better our industry. Uh, principally, we've been focused on recycling right now, uh, but we'll be looking more in the future at, at broader issues for sustainability. Okay, so the ball came back to me. I'm hitting it across the net to Ryan Morgenstern. <laughs> what does sustainability mean to you and for your business? And especially now that you have uh, more of a connection and a relationship with some of the programs that ISPA is rolling out. Tell us your story. Yeah, great question. You know, I, I, so first of all, when I think of sustainability, I think it's a lot broader than just our industry. I mean, sustainability people have been doing sustainable practices even before they even thought of mattresses, right? You just go back to crop rotation. You know, if you, if you planted one crop, you planted it every season, you took all the nitrogen out of the soil. So early farmers figured out how to be sustainable and, and maintain the same acre of soil by 
rotating the crops, some that put nitrogen back in, others that take it out. And so sustainable practices is about maintaining an environment in a healthy way, ongoing and, and intentional. And, um, you know, with the MRC, the Mattress Recycling Council started up and started recycling mattresses out in California and, and other states. Um, very quickly after that, ISPA looked at creating uh, a program that went down to the next level, you know, back to that farmer metaphor, right? So if you're sustainable in your in your practices of, of planting, how can you be sustainable in your practices of harvesting now, right? How what What's the equipment that you're using? Are you using horses that you're, you know, you know, working way too hard or, or are you using, you know, John Deere equipment or something like that? So now we start looking at the manufacturing side of things and um, in partnership with the American Home Furnishings Association, ISPA brought uh, an idea of a program called SP2, the Sleep Product Sustainability Program. Did I get that right, Ryan? It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> exactly. Yep, that's right. Uh, and and so Ryan Trainer knows that I'm um, – you know, the guy who's up for just about anything at any time and being out in California, uh, he called and said, hey, would you guys be interested in, in looking at this? And he dedicated some some team, some his team to come out and other consultants to say what this program is. And uh, it was a quick yes. I mean, for me in particular, because being in California, this is sustainability for a planet or state is top of mind. Um and it's something that we didn't, we've always acted sustainably, acted with the idea of reducing waste in our factory. There's a big economic thing. I mean, most of our factories do. You bundle up your foam, you sell it to the guy making carpet pad. Um, but we didn't really have a system to, to go through the, the organization systematically and say, okay, how are we acting in a sustainable fashion in the office, in the, in the quilt manufacturing? in uh, the wood waste from our foundation department and in, in all those things. So what SP2 gave us really, really cool was this um, entire system that then we attached a team to internally from all different departments. And they started looking at what's our inputs. Um, we don't use a lot of water in our industry, but we use power. Uh, we use air. Um, power generates that air. We have raw materials coming in with plastic covering. So first we identified all that stuff and then start parsing out in little, little areas, right? This is, this is a, a big picture that breaks down into little things first. What can we do to reduce our quilt straps? So let's start weighing it. And then let's start experimenting with intentional ways that we can start reducing what goes into that waste stream. Ryan, what was the, you, you talked about diving into, when, when you first start diving into all that, like what was the unexpected? Did you kind of uncover some things that maybe you didn't anticipate? Uh, two things, um, two things really. And one of them seems a little obvious. Uh, <laughs> when you start looking at how much waste you're generating, it's shocking how much uh, how much our waste streams are. I mean, it really, really is. Imagine just in your home, if you didn't have a weekly trash pickup, maybe you had a monthly trash pickup, and then you could look at a month worth of output at, you know, in one go, it's shocking. Um, the second part of it is how excited the staff was at all levels that we were focusing on this. And, um, you know, in, in the U S and, and internationally, uh, the, uh, the world is talking about like climate change right now, whether you're, whether you believe in it or not, that is the conversation. And particularly in our schools, 
Hope you don't mind a little. I, I'm not a cat, by the way. That's just a cat's tail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know you're not a cat, but that's okay. We can keep that cat around. He's, he seems to be good luck for us. That's good. Um, so, uh, I mean, the conversation in the schools, that's where the teachers are teaching uh, the, about sustainability and about our planet and the changes that are happening. And those kids are going home to their families and they're talking, they're, they're instituting recycling programs in their own homes. And then we start talking about sustainability in a factory and our, our entire employee population gets it because the messages are coming from their kids and their kids are saying, mom, dad, don't put that aluminum can in the trash, put it in the recycling. So when we started talking about reducing those waste streams and making sure that we're getting items into recycling streams or not into the waste stream at all by reducing it, they got it really quickly. And I think that's a key point, which is the shift has already happened. Like you mentioned, the conversation around climate change and sustainability and best environmental practices, it's already happened. And whenever, uh, whenever kids in the household are, so far ahead of the parents and obviously the grandparents, you know, the shift is, is already underfoot. What, what do you guys, when you look at our industry and you think future state, what are some of the predictions that you've developed as you've gone through this exercise with SP2? Um, do you think it's something that in maybe an, an old school industry like ours is going to be slow to adopt? I mean, what happens when you look in the crystal ball? Well, from a recycling standpoint, um, we've been, you know, not first to the market in terms of recycling our our products, but we've taken a leading role here. Um, Our program, we're operating today in California, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Uh, We're recycling nearly 2 million units a year that would otherwise wind up in in landfills. Um, And the program is very well regarded uh, in those states. We're in negotiations right now in five more states to to try to bring those states into the program. Um, We are about to have a bill, we think, in New York, uh, which would be another huge state to add to the the program. We are in discussions. We have a bill that we're supporting in Massachusetts, another in Minnesota. Uh, We have one in Oregon that we are uh, supporting as well, and we are in discussions with uh, Maryland. And perhaps Maine will be coming on as well. So, so we're, we're poised to grow the program. Uh, we've developed a system that works very well. We've uh, got a funding mechanism that, that works very well. And uh, we've been able to protect the industry. Yeah, and if I, if I might add, you know, just to answer your other question, you know, can, can an old school industry like ours actually embrace this idea? And, and the really cool part about uh, sustainability is that particularly as the SP2 program is defined, is that there's a strong economic incentive. You know, after the holidays, we got so much fat on our bodies. It's it's easy to lose that first 15 or 20 pounds as we come into our summer body and, or dad body, as, as, it, as it may be. Um, and that's kind of where our industry is right now. So there's a strong economic incentive for us to operate better. Now, as that uh, as that margin gets thinner and thinner, then it becomes more of a commitment, but we'll be in a generational change by that. So Ryan, let's talk about the economic part of that, because I think that's an important point. <clears throat> so 
When you start drilling down on your own business, I mean, talk about the cost add versus the cost savings when you started to really try to understand how to be more sustainable with your business. Sure. Um, so the cost add is is nominal. Um, I mean, when you really talk about talk about it, we haven't experienced. I'm just trying to be careful about this. We haven't experienced any hard costs at all right now. It's it's really staff time and focus. And uh, and also trying to get the cat to not knock over my computer while we're talking. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it, it's really time, energy, and focus. And uh, particularly for us during COVID, uh, there was so much disruption going on anyway um, that this was a this was something that we could that we were internally in control of, and we could assign staff to. Um, now, from an from an external or cost saving standpoint. For mattress manufacturers, you'll, you'll get it immediately. So you got your you got your crop out every time you go through a, uh, a a quilt transition. And so if you're not paying attention to those crop outs, you know your your quilters are just they're untrained, and, and those crop outs might be they might accidentally be 12 inches, or they might be you know 18 or 24 inches, and if you look at uh, you look at quilt strap, particularly those transitions, you could be talking about anywhere from you know a, a fifteen twenty cents to a couple bucks uh, an inch, depending on the fill material that's going in there. So let's say you're uh, at a twelve inch crop out, which is you know that's pretty good. Ten, if you can get it, it's a little tighter, but a twelve inch crop out might be six bucks. Hey Ryan, for people who may not know that manufacturing term, can you explain that the crop out? Sure. So um, when you're running fabric and foam through a quilter, uh, you, you come to transition periods where you're either switching to a new quilt fill or switching to a different panel. And so you overlap materials from these big, giant rolls. And when you overlap those materials, there becomes a seam and an unusable part of that, uh, of that quilt roll. So then you have to, you know, crop that out so that you have the right panel starting so you can put it on a, a beautiful high quality mattress. So at, at a 12 inch pull out of that, that's just going to go straight into the waste stream, right? Hopefully it goes into recycling. Uh, some areas it can, it can be turned into carpet pads. Some areas with the foam and the fiber together, it's really hard to recycle. But from just pure waste standpoint, dollar waste, if that's a, if 12 inches is $6 at 50 cents an inch, then you got $12 if you're doing 24 inches. So you could be, you could be throwing away twice as much money if you're not really focused on, we want those narrow reduction of waste. So the economic benefit and the waste stream benefit are, are one-to-one in, in that, in that area. Um, where it gets interesting is when you start looking at your inbound waste. I mean, how many of us, in, in, you know, at home with Amazon or, or even in our factories, we get products wrapped, wrapped in plastic. And so, looking at the um, the the package quantity of that, you know, and and just the easy connection is you go to Costco and you buy the uh, the, the pallet size of toilet paper, and sure each. Toilet paper roll in there is individually wrapped, but the entire thing's only wrapped once. And it's the same thing when you think about a stack of foam, right? If you're getting uh, 10 pieces of a stack of foam in one plastic wrap, 
it's a lot more waste efficient from the wrapping standpoint to get it in 20 in that same package because you still only have one top and bottom and then you just have a little bit more sides in there. So we've been working with our vendors to talk about, we call it the put up quantity. You know, what, what put up quantity can they order? Can we order that in? It will help reduce their cost because it's less plastic that they have to use, reduce the waste that we have to bundle, bail, and then recycle. Ryan, it's almost like every phase and every element is put under the microscope and you can find efficiencies. You can find ways to cut back on waste. You can find ways to save money. What what is that process really look like? I mean, is it just taking it one chunk at a time, putting all your people together, and then you have a playbook from ISPA? What does this look like for mattress manufacturers? Yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. It's it's having a team that's focused on it, first off, or, or at least a person who is your champion. And I mean, you've all, we've all done rollouts in, in organizations before, and you really need that champion who believes in it, who has the authority and autonomy to act. So identify your champion, um, help them put together a team that, that they work with, and then involve people all the way down the line level. So when we start looking at changes, um, you know, the person closest to the job usually has the most detailed information about how that job's done. So when we start looking at a process like the, uh, the plastic waste, it takes a little bit of education to get people to think outside of, you know, oh, I take this pallet and I move it over here. But when you start opening their eyes a little bit to saying, okay, so you see all of the plastic that that stuff came into that you're taking off and going to the baler. What do you think we could do to, to change that? And you get some really interesting answers. And then, you know, it, it's kind of from the tech side of things to say, experiment, be willing to fail. Um, so it, it empowers employees quite a bit. It actually, we gained a lot of buy-in with it as well. You know, one of the things I like about what you're saying, Ryan, is it goes back to one of the unexpected um, observations when you first started to dive in that your own people were kind of fired up about it. Like, I don't know if you anticipated that or maybe you, you anticipated some push on that, but so you, you found that they were kind of excited about that. So I think the purpose in like literally carrying that message to your team, no matter what part of the industry you're in and saying, Hey guys, it's a cost savings potentially for us because of waste, but it's also, it's so important to do it because of, you know, it's just good for planet earth and sustainability reasons. So I really like that. And another thing that I, I just want to point out something that you said was find the champion, because if you don't have that person, who's going to own that whole process, it's going to, it's going to fall flat. Ryan Morgan, CERN, talk about like, how has ISPA been a resource for you? Questions <clears throat> many many ways um, in general. I mean, you look at the all the different programs that we've participated in, from you know the data gathering and consuming and and the expo and all that in general. But for SP two in particular, um, what got me so excited about this is that it wasn't just some one off thing that we were going to do. And and one thing that we haven't. I don't think we've made clear yet is that SP2 is a third par party audited and certified program. So there's a, there's a whole framework associated with this. That's bigger than just my factory. I mean, I could have hired a consultant to come in and, and look at this closely, but what ISPA has really done is put together a program 
that they'll provide some support and training to get started with. And then there's a third party that you, that you hire and bring in every year to get recertified. Um, so it's something that, you know, not to use this, overuse this word, but it's something that's sustainable for our industry. It's got an entire life cycle in and of itself that, that w- is self-perpetuating. Guys, it's interesting to hear the terminology. Ryan Trainer, you talked about this lexicon that we need to develop and having shared language. And language matters because sustainability is such an abstract concept that we need to be singing from the same hymnal. And so as we develop that language, I just listen to some of these terms that we're using, like end of life. And I think of ourselves as, oh boy, we're turning into funeral planners here. We've got a mortuary going on. So maybe maybe one of the terms we can introduce is reincarnation because I think it's going to be more exciting whenever we can think about our products, you know, becoming something useful and looking at an actual tangible product that the foams or the steel turns into. What, what are some of those those items that you've seen? I mean, are we seeing finished product from mattresses yet? Well, Kinsley, let me jump in there and just call out what you said a little bit, which is so true. So what's been happening outside of our industry for many years is this concept of cradle to grave, which is a little macabre. But then uh, the conversation changed about uh, eight or nine years ago to cradle to cradle because we really want to think about what's happening. The biggest concept around sustainability, and, and I think it gets to the heart of, of the idea, is circularity. You know, what what can be made today, used tomorrow, and then has a next life. So your comment about reincarnation, it's I was gonna say dead on, but I don't think that's a good it's, <laughs> it's alive on. It's reincarnated on. <laughs> you know, hey, as as we've been talking, of course, we've had a black cat cross our path here a few times. <laughs> so I don't know where this is trending. No, that's that's that is a, a good shift, I think, in our mindset and in the conversation in the industry, because ultimately, you know, one kind of exclamation point I think we can put on this conversation is what Ryan Morgenstern said and, and Mark Quinn, you jumped on this, which is having people champion these initiatives internally, having people be excited about them, having people be proud when they can go home and sit around the dinner table with their family members and say, this is how we are changing the world and our industry. Those are the pieces that need to be in place for this to really have traction. You know, and I often say traction leads to momentum. And once you have momentum, that can be a flywheel effect. And I think we need to get there as an industry because people are putting everything under that microscope, even just common consumers, whenever they get a package from Amazon, they're looking at the amount of packaging and waste and material and thinking why. And then when, when we've been at home, as much as we've been at home over the past couple of years, and you see your recycling bin bursting out of the top, just mushrooming out with cardboard because we've had to order so much in our home, it's starting to get to a point of recognition. And, and I think change is, is underway and we appreciate what you guys are doing. What, what did we not ask you or what did we not see? I'd say, Kenzie, I, I, didn't, I didn't answer your other question about what, what products are out there now that are doing it or, or close to that. And, you know, kind of like fashion, Europe tends to be a little bit ahead of us by, by a few years. Um, visiting a, a mattress show in, uh, in Cologne a few years ago, right before the pandemic. And shockingly enough, there, there is a mattress show in Europe, right? <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Uh, 
and I don't remember if it was the, the company that you mentioned, Ryan, but one of them had had done a glueless pocket coil system that was perforated around the center of the coils with different layers of, and, and the pockets were made out of polyester, I believe, maybe polyethylene, and then polyester comfort layers and 100% polyester cover. The really cool thing about that entire mattress is one, it was super comfortable, and two, it it tears apart by hand very easily, and 100% of that polyester is recyclable at full strength in the next life. And then that steel is 100% recyclable uh, at full strength in the next life. So it can be done with a comfortable product that is that has a full circular life cycle. So I want to talk about that because, well, I, I don't know if there's another group, but my, my partner is on Spink & Co. Um, that side, Harrison Spink, Simon Spinks, uh, one of my business partners, incredibly smart guy. He's growing beds. That's kind of our tagline with Spink, right? So we grow hemp, we grow flax, which is linen. We have our own sheep, a lot of uh, natural materials. And then he did take it to the next step where he's got a glueless pocketed coil. So the problem with recycling any kind of pocketed coil unit, which is the majority of them in the market today, is the glue gums up the the machines or the devices that try to recycle them. And then there's a lot of labor in that and so a lot of, uh, a lot of props to them and they've committed to being carbon neutral by 2023, which is right around the corner. And so I think us telling stories like that, talking to people like Ryan, uh, Ryan Morgenstern with what he's doing and talking to you, Ryan, I think getting the stories out there, TSI announced that they're going to be carbon neutral, try to be carbon neutral by 2040. They're doing, uh, solar panels on their, factory in New Mexico to take 2 million kilowatt um, hours to put into the mm -hmm. energy system. So I think just telling those stories, Ryan um, trainer, are there more people like constructing a bed to deconstruct a bed? Like it would seem to me like, like kind of what Simon is doing, like let's, let's put some thought into how do you manufacture the product so that when you get to the end of life that you can quickly efficiently in a low cost way, get those materials back into the supply chain as another raw material. Um, or you're listening to the show and you want to highlight something you're doing you think would be beneficial to the industry. We would love to hear about it. Uh, I think the score right now is 40 love. Um, I'm not going to say <laughs> who's ahead or who's behind, uh, but this was a great match. Mark, are you saying... Are you saying that you would love a 40 right now? I, I didn't quite understand that. <laughs> That's accurate. It's all accurate. <laughs> well, well, excellent. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate uh, what you're doing for the industry, the vision, uh, the, the push and the nudge that we need. And it's really going to be an evolving, very fascinating conversation and shift because we're starting to look at making a mattress that you can then tear apart we've been building them, them like tanks and, and you know where guys i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pull you in down to this rabbit hole but this really gets into conversation about warranty <laughs> which was early on that was yeah. the hot that was the hottest topic whenever i first got into the industry it was all about mattress warranties but we can save that for another day gentlemen thanks so much for being on the show you can bounce on it oh. Yeah, bounce with it, bounce with it. Oh. Bounce with it, bounce with it. All right. 
What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. And I'm hot like a heater Bounce by the ounce Now, now we, we got, got it by the leader Well you take a spring And you wrap it up right You can sleep so smooth Or bounce all night yeah. Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it Lay back You don't have to practice It's the best thing to happen To your mattress yeah. Get together to do it like I did Everybody get hybrid if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist store a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Nothing short of cheap. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of a comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Kitchen is charming when your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment. What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl wanna chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam, cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone. And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low. We got the type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot. So stick with us and you'll get rewarded. Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive. Is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. Yeah.